Good morning. Everybody hear me very all right? Pastor, thank you for giving up your pulpit today. I really appreciate it. I want to, uh, sorry to start off on such a downer note, but hopefully by the end we'll, we'll have a, uh, we'll put a happier ending on this. But first I want to pray real quick. Um, I, uh, I was joking with the pastor before we started that I've given this talk a hundred times or more, but doing it from behind this makes me a little, makes my stomach flop every time I think about it. So I just want to just say a quick prayer, make sure that I'm, uh, um, is just as necessary as possible. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, thank you for uh, Pastor Jeff's heart to um, to share this message and, and what what you say on this issue. Um, please, just uh, um, I guess my my simple prayer is my word or your words, my mouth. I want to make sure that uh, what I say here honors you and uh, honors life, and uh, um, that uh, we can see as as that we're all part of the body of Christ and, and what our role is on this issue. So, um, well, as, uh, in Jesus' name, amen, sorry. <laughs> Told you I'm a little nervous. Not a pastor, nor did I stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night. So, we'll, uh, so bear with me. Um, so, as Pastor Jeff said, I'm Overland, um, and I, uh, um, how I came about uh, being involved in this issue I keep cutting out. Is that my fault? What am I doing? My coat's too heavy, which you'll notice I'll probably be sweating here before too long. Um, But uh, in in 2008, my dad called me and in his uh, understated way said, I have a little cancer. And... um, you know, he had just retired. He'd only been retired for about a year. He was this, we're talking about this is a farm kid from uh, Mitchellville, Iowa, was uh, in Vietnam. Uh, he, was in, uh, he was a mailman, walked virtually uh, his route for the entire time. And, uh, you know, he wasn't a political guy. He wasn't some big culture warrior. So it's not like I'm carrying on some banner uh, from that. But uh, I did have a really... Um, one of my favorite stories my grandpa used to tell about my dad. Now, my dad, I'm 6'6". Six, six. My dad is, uh, uh, was 6'3". And uh, he, um, uh, pretty quiet, understated guy. And I never really saw him lose his temper, but once or twice. And that'll scare you <laughs> when that happens, because you know you've messed up at that point. Um, but he, uh, uh, my grandpa told this story about when he was in high school, there was this, uh, this handicapped kid that was getting picked on by the bullies all the time. And finally, I guess my dad had enough. And I saw this actually happen to me one time, sort of. He pinned this head bully against the bus and said, you're going to leave that kid alone. And, and you know, that, so that's always stuck with me. Um, because I, I guess ultimately I view abortion as the, uh, the most base form of bullying. You know, uh, I think we throw that word around a little, sometimes a little too easily now. But that is the, the, the epitome of the strong and somebody... Um, taking advantage of and, in, in this case, obviously killing someone to make their life easier or to, uh, for whatever the, the case is. So, um, so that's one thing that stuck with me. And, and, and so I heard about a uh, men's um, study called Men's Fraternity. Uh, it was called uh, um, the first section, this part that I was going through, kind of through the last year of my dad's life, uh, was called um, Authentic Manhood. And you know, if you face the death of someone close, you know you think about mortality and some of those things in particular. Well, this really honed that in 
um, and got thinking about uh, your legacy and those kind of things. So that was fresh on my mind as my dad passed away um, on August 1st, 2012. Um, I, uh, I guess I'm a Facebook warrior, I guess, I, which isn't anything to brag about. You can go on there and argue with anybody. And, and generally, it seemed to be, it was people in my family more than anything. But, uh, um, you know, I, I, um, I've always been pro-life, and, and I've kind of moved across the spectrum. You know, I could argue the exceptions. I could do those kind of things. But, you know, it just seemed like one day, and I always um, kind of say it this way, the Lord, through my wife Jazz, kind of gave me that head slap of, if I quit you know, spouting off on Facebook. If you're going to, if this is so important to you, actually, why don't you do something about it? So um, she stumbled across this uh, 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 segment on ESPN, which is, we know is a God thing because she never watches ESPN. <laughs> um, but one day I came home and she's like, hey, I've got this thing saved. You got to watch this on the DVR. And it's this great story. And, and I, I, I'll tell it to you real quick. Um, it's called, uh, I believe it was called Perfect and it was an E60, 15-minute uh, long little segment about a little girl that had Down syndrome. And it, it's just, I will warn you, I may, I may throw this term out a few times, tissue alert. Um, it, it's very emotional, but it's a beautiful story. And, and at that point, I was like, These are pro, that's a pro-life story. ESPN somehow accidentally put on a pro-life story. But that's what we need more of. So I had some friends in the radio business, and I said, let's, you guys need to do segments on your radio show. And I kind of got patted um, on the head because I used to be in radio. I knew better. It costs money to give up time on their show. I get that. Um, so really that came, that turned into a radio show that I owned uh, for two years. It was called Life Right Now. Uh, we had somebody immensely more qualified as the host. She did a fabulous job with that. Uh, we, you can still go out and find episodes. Rebecca did a great job. Um, I came on probably as a co-host for the last year or so, and it's still good quality. So Rebecca was there, and she's good enough to, to carry that through. But as I learned more and more about this issue, I started learning about more people in my life, really close in my life, that had faced this issue um, uh, of abortion, one being my wife. Uh, at 18, um, she'd had an abortion. Now, she'd never really dealt with that issue, so you might imagine living with me and not having dealt with that issue and having me talk about this on a regular basis. So um, I am going to talk, I'm going to, uh, we'll talk later about what that looked like um, as we went along. But um, we, uh, so, but as I learned about jazz and I learned about other people that I'm related to and other people really close to me, they're on that spectrum of, eh, it's no big deal, to having dealt with it and, and, and received healing. And I can tell you, even the people that are, eh, that you can see if you know what to look for. You can see that some of that 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 needs dealt with. So I just didn't want to see any. I didn't want to see another woman go through that ever again. I just I've seen that pain and shame and guilt and, and devastation. So, um, so that's briefly about why I do this. Um, I'll be here in between services, and I guess and speaking in the next service. So if you want to ask any more details on that stuff, I'd be more than happy to answer that question. But but that's what got me kind of there. We went through the radio show, and then we. Um, then we did uh, Personhood Iowa. So um, now, and, and you may have gotten a sheet. Maybe it would be a good place to take notes. It's got our logo on it. Um, but uh, so now I want to talk with you a little bit and just give you some facts. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty stark. You know, you heard those BBs. Every one of those single BBs is 10,000 lives. And 
I think half the video is just the, the lives lost to abortion. So I'm going to count. Um, I need 13 people just to stand up. There we go. So we won't make pastors stand up. <laughs> so one, two, there's three. All right, that's, that's pretty close. That's pretty close to 13. So if you go to that first slide, every year in the state of Iowa, we will, including this year, we will kill somewhere between four and 6,000 babies. That's 13 people every day. So these 13 or so people every day, every two days is a kindergarten classroom. Think about those numbers. Just kind of look around about that. Since 1973 in the state of Iowa, that's been nearly, you guys go ahead and sit down, sorry. Um, uh, since 1973, that's, I believe, you know, again, the, the numbers may not be exact, but it's around 400,000 Iowans that never had the chance to exist. That's the size of Des Moines, just gone. So, um, so we want to talk about those big numbers, but I, the reason I had the 13 stand up is we can make a difference at thir- 13 at a time or three at a time. We can do that, take that first number and do three at a time. So... Um, in 1973, in, in this, or since 1973, in this country, you know, we're talking about nearly 60 million Americans gone. Um, you know, I heard somebody talking uh, yesterday, a state representative, and, and, and take the moral part of that out for a minute, but the next time you hear somebody say we're short people in an industry, or our, our, our tax base is shriveling up, or our small towns and our school districts are dying, 4,000 people on the low end per year that's a, that's a major impact, and we're at the point now, I was born in 1971, so I have kids that are 22 and 23. You know, we always talk about the 60 million. Those are the people that were actually aborted. Now we're going to start talking about second and third generations. My, bro- my brother, my younger brother's a grandparent, uh, and he's not quite 40. We're talking about second and third generations, so the exponential number of generations that we've wiped out is just mind-boggling. So, now, that's culture at large. Now we want to talk about, before we get up on our our high horse, as we sometimes do as Christians, and and wag our finger at at some folks outside of these walls, if you want to go ahead, um, the new statistics are seven out of ten women who have an abortion identify or self-identify, I guess that's the, one of the code words these days, can identify as about anything you want, but they self-identify as a Christian. Now, that's not people like my wife who at 18 had an abortion and has come to Christ since then. We're talking about when they have their abortion, they self-identify as a Christian. The next number is a little more stark because as I said, self-identify, we can call ourselves whatever we want, right? So if we go four out of seven, four of those seven currently go to church. They're going to church on a regular basis. I believe I heard the stat was at least once a month they're in a church at services and then on Monday they're at the clinic. So what, I wanted that to sink in for a few minutes. Um, We talked, uh, when when Pastor Jeff introduced me, he talked, you guys, he said you guys have been talking about the issues and some of that stuff. You know, one of the hot topics, right, is let's defund Planned Parenthood. You know, there's a half a billion dollars of taxpayer dollars every year going to this nonprofit. And they can say the money doesn't go to abortion. I never 
really knew that I would need to know the name or the definition of the word fungibility. But uh, when those videos and all that stuff started coming out and that was the big pounding away of we need to defund Planned Parenthood, that's a half a billion dollars that we don't really have any say on until we can get our elected officials to listen to us. But this number, if four out of seven are attending a church, there's over a million abortions a year in this country. That's about 400,000 Christian women or girls that are having abortions voluntarily, allegedly, and that we can discuss that later. Do the math at $500 a pop, that's 200 million Christian dollars voluntarily going to the abortion industry every single year. That's bad math, guys. I mean, that's, that's we have to, could you imagine just stopping that? $200 million if we change and, and, and fix this issue inside of our own walls. You know, I like to ask, and, and I don't know too many of you guys here, I've met some new folks today, but one of the things I like to ask is if a young lady in this church found out she was pregnant, where is she more likely to go? Is she going to come here or is she going to go to, I don't even have a Planned Parenthood in town, but, or to a Planned Parenthood or to an abortion clinic? I know the answer to that question, we just talked about the statistics. We know where she's more likely to go. That has to change. We have to change that. You know, there's that, that stereotype of us like this, right? And, or like this. We need to be more like this when we're dealing with them. That doesn't condone the activity. I, I don't want um, uh, to mislead anybody there. But we can say, okay, you've made a decision that's going to change your life from this point forward, no matter what you do next. Your life's different. It doesn't matter. But let us not make that into a decision that is so difficult to live with. Let's help you parent. Let's help you with the adoption. Let's help you with those things. So um, so go ahead to the next link here. I, so the, the top part of this slide is what I like to call the log in our own eye. So if you've got your Bibles handy or your electronic device, we're probably all fairly familiar with this particular verse. Um, but uh, I, I say that this, issue, this is our log we have a big log we need to address long before we're wagging our fingers at anybody outside of this building or outside of the body or at the Capitol for that matter if we can't get our own house in order how are we supposed to be yelling at politicians for not doing their job so um, I'll just read that real quick. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And I've had some conversations here with some folks lately, you know, about how we communicate with, the out, you know, with, with uh, non-believers. And that just struck me as I was reading that, that Jesus was talking, to the, was talking to the church at that point. I mean, he was talking to those church leaders. So um, somehow I stumbled into, that's more relevant than I even thought it was. So we really need to do, uh, so that's on us, right? That's, that's something that we can do. And you know, I'm not asking each individual one of you to go out and save those 13 or 4,000 or whatever, but we as the body can do that. And that's what I want to talk about. And hopefully we end up... Um, with some uh, good solutions here by the end, by the time we're done. So uh, just briefly, um, 
uh, on the next slide, we're going to talk about uh, who we are as Personhood Iowa, what we believe. Um, we are a Christian organization. Uh, there were um, there's some cards. I don't think we handed them out, but I know Pastor Jeff had them. We have them out at the table. But that, that sheet of paper that you got has some of our bullet points on there. That card I'll talk about at the end. But there is another card we have that, that's kind of what I call our elevator speech. And we can get through the whole card on both sides in your guys' elevator. It's great. So I, <laughs> some of them are a little too fast. But, uh, um, but, but that tells you a little bit about... Uh, <laughs> that, that's not in my notes. you believe that? That was right off the... Um, so... But, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that, but that sheet of paper that we have also will tell you, um, it's going to tell you where, we're, where we come from. But we believe, and, and I'm gonna, when I talk about the church today, I'm talking about capital C, all of us. Obviously, I don't attend this particular uh, service, but um, all of us as the body of Christ is who I'm talking about when I, when I talk about the church. Uh, we're commanded to love our neighbors. Uh, you can see the scripture there, uh, Mark 12, 31. Um, again, probably another um, pretty well-known one, Mark, yeah, twelve thirty-one. So um, I don't have that one highlighted. Just talking about the uh, the great uh, the great commandment. The second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other. There is no other commandment greater than these. So to us, and if we think about this, you know, as Pastor Jeff stated. Um, you know, we believe life begins, and a slight correction, we're doing this to ourselves. life begins at fertilization. Sadly, the, uh, the establishment um, uh, medical uh, world, I guess if you will, they changed the definition of conception back in about 1965 to implantation, not actually fertilization. So just something to kind of plant. I still do it. I still say life at conception because that was the legislation we had last year. That's what we called it. So, but life at fertilization, we're trying to just get the words in our head and, and just little triggers that we can uh, then help us remember. So, so that being said, our neighbor is also the preborn. We're not just talking about you know our actual physical neighbor or the, your neighbor you know sitting next to you this morning. We're talking about the and their parents and their family. And what, so what can we do to help those folks? So, so one, we're commanded to do that. That's not just a, hey, I think you ought to help out. That's, that's a command. Um, we're also to care for the widows and orphans. You, got, you might be familiar with James 127. Um, you know, so, and, and when I say widows and orphans, Obviously, when this was written, we were probably talking about literal widows and orphans. We were talking about, you know, uh, for whatever reason, mortality rate being a little higher. Um, today, we're talking about some, some literal widows and orphans. But in society, we have, we, we've created virtual widows and orphans. Either the guy's totally checked out. He may still be at home. He's totally checked out. Um, he's not in the home one way or the other. Um, we're... Yeah, so yeah, so he's checked out. I mean, it's just, we need to step in. So a vast majority of those folks are figurative widows and orphans, and, and that's where we're supposed to come in. So that's another area, um, and so let me read that real quick. Uh, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So that's, that, again, that's something that we are supposed to do. All right, so 
we have those ministries you guys have here, the Caring Pregnancy Center. There's a brand new facility getting ready to open up in uh, St. Charles, or Charles City, sorry. Um, in fact, I just saw a post from them maybe two days ago that they have the building. And so by the end of maybe around the 1st of September, I think they're going to be open. I came up for a, to a tremendous dessert reception here a couple of months ago. That was, that was awesome. And what a turnout. And, and they raised a ton of money. That was, that was great. Here's the problem I have with that. I loved coming to meet those folks. I loved uh, Star Parker was the speaker. What a great get that was. This is a gal from D.C. that is tough to get sometimes. So, but, but that was awesome. But here's the thing. They're doing our work. And when I say our work, again, us, the body, believers, they're doing our job. Those are parachurch organizations. It's not the other way around. We're not a parapregnancy center uh, organization. They shouldn't have to have those type of events to keep their lights on or open or whatever. We should be meeting their need. That should not be an issue. And and that's time, treasure, talent, any of that stuff. Um, They are doing our work. Their focus should be the ministry of saving lives, uh, helping people ultimately come to knowing Christ, and, and, and that should be the focus is the ministry, not banquets and walks. Those are great. One of my dreams is I wish we could rent out uh, um, Wells Fargo Arena once a year, bring all those ministries together, celebrate all the lives that were saved that year, and not even have to worry about passing the bucket because there are, all their needs are already met, because we're doing that. They shouldn't have to come to us once a year when they have a banquet or a walk and say, Pastor Jeff, will you hang this poster up or put this in your bulletin? And unless they go here in a lot of churches, that's not going up. There's not room. You don't have time to do all that stuff. We, sh- we should be reaching out to those folks on a regular basis, finding out what those needs are. And if that are not in your community already, then maybe their needs, you need to step up and do those type of things. So... All right, so now let's go to the fix. I've kind of been teasing it here a little bit. Let's go to the fix. So um, next we're going to jump into some easy math. So the next slide will have um, how we can fix this. Remember that number early on? Um, and I kind of gave a range because of the way the numbers are reported um, on the number of abortions that we have. There are roughly 4,200 churches in the state of Iowa. You can drive around town pretty quickly and see, we all know Bible-believing, not Bible-believing, so let's just chop that number in half. Let's say 2,100 Bible-believing Christian churches in the state of Iowa, 4,000 for easy math, 4,000 abortions every year. If every one of those churches took two girls under their wing, we love you, let us help you, uh, whether it's adoption, parenting, help you get a job, you need a place to stay, we'll be your family moving forward. We could eliminate the, the need, and I do the air quotes, need, uh, because I don't believe there's ever a need, but that, you know, I'm not that young girl sitting there thinking that's the only way out. We know that that's what the lie has been told to them. We can help them with that. We have great places, again, like the CPC, that can help meet those needs and are trained to do those things, but we can help them here. If we get what we want, we want that young lady to walk into this building when she doesn't know what to do, and then we help her get to where she needs to go. So, um, so that's, that's the good math. That $200 million, that was the bad math, so now we're looking at good math. This is simple. No, it's not easy, but it, but it is fairly simple. 
Um, all right, we're going to go to um, uh, the reference to Second Corinthians twelve, twelve. Or sorry, First Corinthians. I was on the wrong line. First Corinthians twelve, twelve and twenty-seven. And and really, this is just a reference to. As I've kind of talked about a little bit, is that uh, you know we're, we're the hands and feet. I mean, we're, we uh, uh, we are supposed to step in and do this. Um, what, what we believe at, at Personhood Iowa is that we can and should do this. I don't want to run a pregnancy center. That's not my, that's not my gift. Uh, the maternity homes, um, helping with the, the human trafficking, uh, getting out of that, that's just not me. What I've always been, I think, pretty good at is here's a need over here, and here's somebody who can fill that need. Let's bring those guys together, and that's what we want to do with Personhood Iowa. So um, what, what, what I do and is when I go and talk to large groups like this or smaller groups or one-on-one, sit down with a pastor, do a pastor's breakfast, something like that is, um, we're calling the church back to life. And again, I'm not saying the church is not alive. I'm saying back to the issue of life. That's we, one of our events we held was bringing the church back to life. So that's what we're looking at doing is we want to bring you, us, me, back into this fight. And, and we can do that. You can do that politically, but... As we pointed out, we've got some stuff to get in order in our own house before we can send people to the Capitol to articulate this position if we can't do it in the church. So we organize. Uh, again, we be the hands and feet. Um, the, things that, uh, um, w- the things that we want to do are put together um, committees, affiliates. I don't, I don't care what we call them. The main thing is, is um, that... that in a, in a neighborhood or in a community, you bring together one or two or three or five churches and you meet on a regular basis to find out what's going on in your neighborhood and in your community. And we do that through um, equipping. So we either, uh, we'll either send in experts to talk and teach or, or there's some great uh, pre-done material out there. One's called... Uh, um, uh, Making Life Disciples, it's, it's done by CareNet, which is uh, uh, a pregnancy center uh, umbrella organization. There's a um, pro-life apologetics course, um, and I it just left my head, Life is Best, <laughs> that uh, is, is excellent. And, and it's Scott Klusendorf does this, and it's done in the form of a TV show, and they're in half-hour blocks. And you've got a study guide, and you've got all the blanks to fill in if you want. And you just sit down, and you go through that. And... Um, there's another one out there that uh, we brought. We brought the gal, and she's from uh, the Twin Cities area. That's a college-like course, and it's online-based. And you learn the history. You go back into Darwin and, and eugenics and how we got to where we're at, because we have to know that history to know how to get out of the mess. So, those, so, so we do that equipping. Uh, we we teach and and we do that. Then we'll bring in some speakers, maybe from a ministry. You know, in this area, maybe the CPC. Um, uh, bring in some folks that that have have that expertise, so you can learn about what their what their need is in their ministry, and learn about um, how you can help. And I was just at a thing yesterday, listening to a couple ladies talking about human trafficking, and learn about those things to look for, and and, and maybe there is a need in your community. Um, so so that's the other part. And then then the the folks in that group talk about. What's going on in your church? What's going on in your neighborhood? And and what do you need? What uh, what do you need? What do you need to do to help? And and do that. So so that's basically the the rough outline of 
what this gathering or committee or affiliate group does. And, um, and then when we learn from those, uh, um, we learn from those ministries, then we go serve them. We find out what they need. We don't wait for them to call us or bring our poster in. We go and see what they need. And um, I know you guys do a great job at supporting uh, the Caring Pregnancy Center. I, I've talked to enough of you, the few of you that I know here. I know that that's the thing. Um, and, and, and that's fabulous. And, and you know, uh, voting and all that stuff is great. But there, there, there's simple, hands-on, practical things that make this real instead of just going in and saying, well, I think I voted right. And I say I think because sometimes I wonder. But uh, um, so those are the, uh, so that's kind of what that looks like. And then next we're going to talk about, um, actually, I guess I've kind of alluded to this next one. There's a great opportunity right here in Mason City already that's been around for quite a while. They changed their name. Uh, They're now called True Life of North Iowa. Um, And they meet at, Karen, tell me the bank. First Citizens Bank. Yep, uh, in, in Mason City, they meet there on the, right, it used to be the first Tuesday, now it's the first Thursday of the month, and they do a lot of the stuff we're talking about, and they've been doing this for, I think, three or four years now. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a thing coming up that on the first, at first blush, it maybe doesn't sound like it would fit into this as a pro-life uh, deal, but they're putting together a thing called the Silver Ring thing, and they're bringing in this national tour, and it's November 1st, for November 1st, and it's going to be at the ball uh, at the surf ballroom, and it's for ki- it's for kids, and it's a purity and abstinence and and uh, honor course, and they bring these these folks in. They're looking to partner with churches and individuals. They need I can't even remember how many volunteers they need. They need a ton of volunteers. So those are the kind of things that they're working on. They go to the parades, they go to uh, the fairs, they do all those things. So. Um, it is, uh, so there's a group right there that you can get plugged into. Um, I believe they meet at 6.30 um, on uh, the first Thursday. So th- that, there's an opportunity there to, to plug into. And I try to come to that meeting fairly frequently. All right. So um, we're also looking for volunteers. Um, again, just as I was just kind of alluding to. And then we um, at Personhood Iowa, as well as the Pregnancy Center, all of them, we're always looking for financial partners. As Pastor Jeff said, this is all I do. Um, I am so blessed that my wife uh, tolerates, puts up with. Actually, no, she encourages me to do this. So um, uh, we have a little budget, but we do have a budget. So uh, any of that. And you held up, you got those little cards that everybody held up earlier. Um, that is, if, if you would just fill that out, please at least give me your name and email address and write that you were here so I know where, you, where you're from. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, uh, you know, if something you liked about what I talked about, please, you can write that on the back. Um, if there's something you wanted to talk about, um, I'd be more than happy to do that. I'll call you. Um, I'll see all these cards. And if you're so inclined on the back, there's a little spot. You, um, you can leave your information if you wanted to do something via debit or credit card. You can do that as well. So, all right. One, the, I'm going to close on this. I'm horrible at watching for time, so I don't know where I'm at. But I do want to close on this. Um, let's go to the next slide here, and this is what I want to close on. As I told you guys, um, my wife had an abortion when she was 18. And I've met some uh, tremendous people, and I believe they're going to be what helps, ultimately helps us with win this issue. Because they can look at me and tell me, I don't have the right to talk about this. They cannot look at her and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, a lot of pastors, I know 
Pastor Jeff obviously has me up here talking about this. A lot of pastors won't do that. And they think they're saving people's feelings, and that's not the case. When we're quiet, when we're silent on this issue, when we don't talk about that Jesus died for this sin, just like he did all the other sins, then somebody, and, and I know the numbers, so I know somebody sitting here, if you don't hear this message, then it, it, even if it's subconsciously, you're thinking that this sin is too big, that Jesus didn't die for this sin. And that is not true, absolutely not true. Jesus died for you. Uh, our friend Laura Lemix, who's referenced up here, said she knows, and it took her a long time, but she knows that if she's the only woman to have ever had an abortion, Jesus still would have died for her. So that we have to remember. Uh, when we're quiet about this, when we, don't, um, when we don't discuss this, we're not saving anybody's feelings. We're, we're hindering that relationship with Christ because that's an unrepentant sin just like any other unrepentant sin, that we have to talk about that. So uh, one of the things that, that, that I always try to close with, and I wear um, this little feet pin, and there's some hand pins. A lot of people have seen the feet pin, but not the hand pins. We have some of those out there. If you stop by the table out there, uh, we don't charge anything for them. We do take donations for them, but please grab a pin. Those pins have literally saved lives. These are 10-week feet of a baby in their mother's womb. So I wear the blue one um, in honor of Jazz. Uh, uh, she can explain to you maybe the, the healing retreat, but uh, um, Benjamin, so the, these, wear these for, for Benjamin and for Jazz. So, um, and this goes to you guys too. Obviously we know biologically men and women, we take, it takes one of each to make a baby. We're talking about uh, grandparents. We're talking about possibly siblings. If you, know, if you know about this, if you've experienced this on one level or another, we know that one in four people in the church have participated or experienced abortion. One in four people in the church. So this is for you guys. Um, if you don't specifically want to talk maybe right now about this particular issue, again, I will be more than happy to call you. If you'd like Jazz to call you, um, then uh, um, she will do that as well. So... Um, I, uh, yeah, so those cards, if you just fill those out, we can take them out to the table. And um, I think that's my last slide. I think I'm good. So I thank you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. I will be out in between services if you guys want to chat. Um, and uh, I'll just say a quick prayer. And then I don't know if pastor's coming back up or, okay, very good. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Um, I, I, I just pray that uh, somebody heard uh, what they needed to hear and uh, ultimately that, uh, um, that this was an honor to you um, and that, uh, um, th that we understood how important that this issue and how important um, this, uh, this sacrifice is uh, to you. In Jesus' name, amen.